0: We turn in God's word this morning to the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. The Gospel of John, chapter 10. We have been, for those of you who are visiting with us this morning, in a series taken from John, chapter 10, in which we have seen Jesus as the good shepherd, as he identifies himself in this passage, but all that that means, what does it mean that he is the good shepherd? How does, that, how does that show itself? And he uses this illustration out of their ordinary lives of the image of the shepherd to teach that which he is for us as his people. This morning we pick it up at verse 11 and we'll be reading again through verse 18. 11 through 18, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. As far the reading of God's word. I invite you to keep it open. As we'll be looking not only at this text of scripture. But others as well. Let's again bow in prayer. Our merciful Heavenly Father, Father, we give you thanks this day for being truly the Good Shepherd. But Father, you are not only as Christ our Good Shepherd, but Father, he is our risen King as well. And Father, as we look this morning with our spiritual eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, Father, that we would see him in his full majesty and his glory. Father, that we would humble ourselves before him. And Father, that we would truly be still and know that you are God. Father, we pray that you would be with Pastor Bob as he brings this message this morning as well. That, Father, your spirit would guide his words and his thoughts. Father, we anticipate what you will say to your people this morning. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So as we gathered together on Thursday evening, we talked about uh, from this passage of Scripture how it is that Jesus has the authority to lay it down, to lay down his life. And as he laid down his life, he laid it down vicariously. He laid it down voluntarily, but he also laid it down authoritatively. No one took his life from him. No one killed him. He yielded up his spirit. This morning in our sunrise service, we looked at the word authority. I have the authority And that's what's on display for us in that passage we read from Matthew chapter 28. Christ's authority over nature. There is a huge earthquake. Christ's authority that causes those soldiers to fear and to tremble. Christ's authority that is on display for all to see. A stone rolled away in an empty tomb. But in this passage, Jesus calls our attention to the fact that he has authority not only to lay his life down, but he has the authority to take up his life again. Let's remind ourselves of the events on the day of the crucifixion. After those seven statements from the cross... The conclusion of which is Jesus crying out, Lord, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he yielded up. He laid down his life for his sheep. He died. What happened after he died? Well, there's talk about what to do with his body. Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate, asks for the body. He and Nicodemus take the body down from the cross They anoint it with some spices, getting it ready for its burial. They wrap it in a linen cloth and they take it to a tomb that is new, that Joseph of Arimathea had been preparing for himself, but he offers it for the body of Jesus. Now it is the day of resurrection. Jesus is taking up his life again. But the question is, for us to consider first is where was Jesus Christ after he died? On the cross, but before the resurrection. So he dies. He tells us that he's in that tomb or will be in the tomb for three days and three nights. So where was he? If your answer to that question is that Jesus Christ was dead, you are dead wrong. That is not where Jesus Christ was. Jesus Christ was not dead. If your answer to the question is, well, we think his life was just held in a suspension for a period of time, you are dead wrong. For you know not the scriptures. What did Jesus say to that thief? who turned in repentance and faith to him. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What were the words of Jesus? Hey, hey, hold on, buddy. Wait, wait until the resurrection. Then I got some good news for you. That day, the day after I rise, you will be with me in paradise. No, that's not what he said. What he said to that thief was, Today, today you will be with me in paradise. Not just, it's good, you made your repentance, you you confess me, you will be in paradise. Me, I got to wait for a few days until the resurrection. That's not what he said. You will be with me in paradise. Where was Jesus Christ between the time of his death, from the moment of his death, until that glorious resurrection? He is in paradise, he is in glory. He is with the Father. He is with the Spirit. He is being adored by the angels. That's where he is. And from there, in his Spirit, he is proclaiming to all that are dead his glorious victory over sin. And that salvation is found in himself alone. 1 Peter reminds us of that. But his tent, his shell, his body, the dwelling that he had occupied, lies in a tomb. Somewhere outside of Jerusalem, owned by Joseph of Arimathea. And it lies there for three days three nights, a dead corpse, not unlike the corpses that you have come across in your lifetime as you've gone to a funeral home or to a funeral or have been the witness to at a deathbed, corpse that cannot move. Corpse that cannot breathe. Corpse that has no heartbeat. Corpse that has no brain activity. Just a corpse. That tent, that body, lies there in the tomb. But not Jesus Christ. No more so than for any one of us as a believer at the moment of our death, yes, there is a corpse. But we are not there. We, as believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, are immediately in his presence. Today you will be with me in paradise. If we're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we at that moment of death are already beginning to feel and to know the pain and the horror of hell. But Jesus said, I have authority to pick up my life again. want to place before you three thoughts in regards to that this morning. The first thought is this. He takes up his humanity. Secondly, he takes up his title. And thirdly, he takes up his life. The first thing is he takes up his humanity. I lay my life down, that I may take it up again. See, what is happening on this glorious first day of the week, this first resurrection, is this. The Christ, to be fully obedient to the Father, comes back again to earth, And comes into that dead corpse. Now think of that. He died. He gave his life. He emptied himself upon that cross. He bore the full weight of God's wrath. He committed his soul, his life, into the hands of the Father. And immediately upon his death, the Father receives him to glory. You can hear the chant of angels. Holy, holy, holy. Praise and glory and blessing and honor. Be unto him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Three days later, he comes back into a corpse. This is his further obedience. There are some who who say and I even heard it this past week who say no at the cross is the end of his obedience no no there is no end to the obedience of Jesus Christ here upon this resurrection is further evidence how do I know that because what does verse 17 tell us of John 10 For this reason, the Father loves me. What is the reason the Father loves me? That I lay down my life. Right. But as you read it, it's not only that. The Father loves me not only because I lay down my life, but because I pick it up again. I am willing again to leave the glory of heaven. to come back to dwell in a corpse. Think of this. The first time he comes, the Christ willingly takes upon himself a human nature, life. Right? And we think of that as as the great humility of Jesus Christ, don't we? Oh, the one who was divine, takes upon himself a human nature, being made in the form of a man, molded, shaped in the womb of Mary, born in the ordinary means of being born, of being birthed. But then he dies upon the cross. Received into glory, but willing, willing to come again and come into a corpse. I'm not sure that humility was actually done on the cross. come back to a corpse? Yes! Yes, Father! I am willing to do so. I am willing to come back again to live in that corpse, to bring that corpse to life. This is the reason why the Father loved him. Not only that he lays down his life, but that he was willing again to dwell in that corpse. And not to just dwell in that corpse for 30-some years, but to dwell in that body forever. I am willing to come again to the earth to live in that body for all eternity. You see, his human nature is still with him now. Oh, a human nature that has been glorified, to be sure, But still, a human nature. Say, how do you know that, Pastor Bob? I know that because of the text. The text tells me that. I pick up my life again. What? To lay it down again? When did he lay it down again? The last time we see him, what's he doing? He's ascending into heaven. With what? That body. That body that was in that tomb, glorified, yes, but that body, that human nature. The Heidelberg Catechism, reflecting upon the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven, asks the question, how does Christ's ascension into heaven benefit us? One, he pleads our cause in heaven in the presence of the Father. Second, listen, we have our own flesh. In heaven what does the meaning of that ascension mean in that body that he comes into on this first day of the week at this resurrection What what does that mean that in that body he ascended listen to this answer we have our own flesh in heaven a guarantee that Christ our head will take us his members to himself in heaven This is what he does on this day of resurrection. See, he's not lying dormant in the tomb, he's not dead in the tomb. He's in glory, paradise. And he comes again. Inhabit that physical body, bringing it with him in his ascension into heaven, so that I may know that I may know my nature, too, my human nature will be with him, glorified in heaven. See, he's still the good shepherd. This isn't some role he played for a period of time. This this isn't some act of his where he's cast into a play only to, to become an actor in another play later on. This is who he is. This is the essence of his being. He is the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, he is calling, he is leading, he is guarding. He still carries on his work. Christ didn't give up the role of the good shepherd. He is still the good shepherd. He is still carrying on his work as our Savior, as our Lord, as our mediator. This is what verse 17 of John 10 means. The Father loves me because, because. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. The very purpose of his death, the very reason of his death is so that he might pick up that life again. He dies so that he might live. Secondly, he takes up his title we go back in the gospel of John to John chapter 5 verse 25 John 5:25 Truly truly I say to you an hour is coming And is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is Son of Man. What is happening in fulfillment of John chapter 17 or John 10 verse 17 is that Jesus Christ is picking up his life, his humanity. But he is also picking up his title. He is the Son of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. We read the following in Paul's introduction to, to his letter to the Romans. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was, a, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared listen, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness. By what? His death on the cross? No. Listen to it again. He was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. He picks up the title. By his resurrection. That title, Son of God, is picked up, conferred, given by his resurrection. You see, dead men can't raise themselves. Dead men can't raise themselves. Dead men cannot. Dead human natures, dead tents, dead corpses cannot raise themselves. Dead humanity cannot raise itself. You can't. You never will. You can't do it physically. You can't do it spiritually. You cannot raise yourself. Verse 18, John chapter 10. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to pick it up again. I don't have that authority. When I die, I'm dead. And I have no authority. There is nothing I'm going to do. I can't be laying there going, Bob, resurrect thyself. It's not happening. I don't even have the thought. I can't even form the words. I'm a corpse. But Jesus said, I have the authority to raise myself back to life. Why? How? Because he is the son of God because he is divine. This is is where most of the world misses all of this. This is where a large segment of even that which we call the evangelical church misses it today. They, They separate out this act of life this act of resurrection, and make it just some spiritual entity. They make it just some, some thing that has meaning like butterflies emerging from cocoons. And most of our world's trying to get some bunny out of an Easter egg. and They miss the reality that God, Raised himself to life. This is the resurrection. The authority of Christ as the divine son of God. As God himself. It is Jesus who had told us in John chapter eleven twenty five, 25, I am, I am resurrection. I am life. That's what he told Lazarus' sister. And then to prove it, he goes to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out of there. Lazarus didn't raise himself. Christ. Resurrected Lazarus. What a great miracle. What great power. But here's the astounding thing here, he's the dead corpse. And he raises it himself to life. He takes up his humanity. He takes up his title. But not in just some. Theoretical, theological proposition. Not not in just some remote way of thinking about this. He raised that corpse to life. Life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John all give us the testimony of the fact that Jesus Christ in reality, resurrected. Not theoretically, not propositionally, but in the reality. There's a great earthquake. Angels come down. Angels roll a stone away to show he's not here. He's risen. He has raised himself a life, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to pick it up again. The fact of this resurrection is recorded for us later through the writer Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Writing says, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He has been raised. How does Paul testify? that? Why does Paul testify that that Christ has been raised from the dead? Because Paul had written earlier, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the Apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, He has also appeared to me. Jesus Christ has been raised. How do you know that, Paul? Because I saw him. So did the 12. So did Cephas. So did James. So did more than 500. You want to go to them? You can talk to them. They saw him, the risen Christ. The reality of the resurrection. The fact of the resurrection. So what do we do with this? we do with this? What did Jesus tell the women to do? Go and tell. What did Jesus tell the twelve to do? Go into all the world and tell. What does Paul concluding his chapter on the resurrection tell us? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What is the work of the Lord? Paul says, go forth, tell it. Be unmovable, be steadfast, be abounding in that work. The work of proclaiming. The one who is dead is alive forevermore. Your good shepherd, who laid down his life, did upon that first resurrection pick up that life again. He's still the shepherd of your soul. And he will bring to completion the work that he has begun in you. He will never let anyone snatch you from his Father's hand. And when you appear before him in glory, there will be no condemnation. Why? Because the work of his atonement continues and continues and continues. Cleansing, cleansing, cleansing. Tell someday, tell someday, the very work that we celebrate upon every first day of the week, that work of his picking up his life again, he shall someday do for you. For your loved one who knew Christ. That same powerful resurrection shall be yours. For he is but the first fruits. He is but the first. And all those who are in his flock. He will also give life too. But not just life. Abundant life. That's where we go this evening. The abundant life that the good shepherd brings to his sheep. Now. For all of eternity. Why? Because he has the authority to not only lay down his life, but he Picked up his life again. And God's people say, Amen. Father, thank you. What a word of power. What a word of comfort. What a word of refuge. What a word of victory. What a word of authority. And Father, we know that power. We've already begun to taste that power. For we who were dead in our trespasses and sin have been already made alive in Christ. We know the power of the resurrection. For we are already dead men walking. We already are. Because we were dead. Now we're alive forevermore in and through this work, this work of resurrection wrought by our good shepherd. Hallelujah. And God's people say, Amen.